Hey Achievers, this is Maya, founder of Healthy High Achievers. Join our global community and create healthier routines to avoid burnout and feel more calm and healthy. Let's get to it. Hey Achievers, I am super excited about this episode where I'm going to talk about my fibromyalgia recovery story. Now, this episode is going to be completely different from the blog post, so you can click the link below, My Fibromyalgia Recovery Story, How I Went from Chronic Illness to Feeling Great. You can read my whole story from when I was 15 years old until now. But in this episode, I just wanted to cover questions that you guys sent me about my journey and how I got better with fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue, digestive issues, my immune system broke down. Just basically when I was 15, just to give you a short summary, when I was 15, my body all of a sudden stopped working. I was walking with a cane because I had random muscle aches. Um, I was tired all the time. I couldn't go to school. I felt too weak. My digestive system wasn't working at all. Um, And basically, I did not have a normal teenage life from when I was 15 until I was 19. Now, let's get through your questions. If you want to know the whole journey of my teenage years, then then how I found my own solutions, then how I moved to Peru, how I discovered functional medicine, how am I feeling now, go to the blog post in the show notes below, read it first, and then come back if you want. But at first, I picked out a couple of questions because they were really interesting. One was... So chronic fatigue, how did it affect you mentally and how did you deal with it day to day? And also how often did you sleep? So chronic fatigue, um, it was not easy because I'm a very driven person. I'm a healthy high achiever. I want to do a million things at the same time. I'm very optimistic, very driven. And it was hard for me to except my body's limits. I grew up with competition sports. I did jump rope from when I was six years old until my 15. And so we got taught to never, ever say, I cannot do this. So then all of a sudden I had to learn how to say, I cannot do this and admit it to myself, admit it to the people around me. My parents were hesitating, like maybe she's she gets bullied at school. She doesn't want to go. But when my mom saw that I, I also wasn't going to the singing classes, she realized something was definitely wrong. So mentally, it was hard. It was really hard. I kept trying to push myself. And how did I deal with it? I basically just had to have a, a schedule, a daily schedule. I had to plan empty moments to rest because I knew if I didn't, I wouldn't rest. So I knew if I were to go to a birthday party on Saturday evening, um, I, had, I had to have no plans on Saturday and I had to have no plans on Sunday so that I could just Saturday evening go somewhere. So I would just have to recover for days with anything I did. And I slept. How often did I sleep? I slept. I couldn't live without naps, without taking naps. And I remember a doctor said, Maya, you need to stop napping. And I was like, I want to. This is not something I'm doing because I want to sleep. My body's just, I cannot not nap. So yes, at some point 
like I mentioned in my Instagram stories already, when I was answering these, your questions, at one point, I remember I was sitting on the floor in my bedroom and my mom came in and I was just crying. And I said, you know what? I cannot carry this alone anymore. This is just too much. I guess I was 16, 17 by that point. It's too much. So I didn't know about health coaches. I didn't know about functional medicine. I didn't know where to turn to. So the only thing I could think of was psychotherapy. And luckily, I had a really good one who helped me love my body with its limits, who helped me be creative with problem solving, who helped me um, to accept, to enjoy the little things, things. So what helped me a lot mentally was to start, I started reading about mindfulness, I started meditating, and I started actually practicing gratitude. But that back then, I think this word of gratitude journal or whatever wasn't a thing yet, or at least not in Belgium. So I would just go to the park and just enjoy watching a dog play, watching kids laugh, looking at the trees, the leaves, and those were my highlights of the day. You know, it was my grandmother who took me to the park so I could sit on a bench and just enjoy the small moments. So next question, are you now more predisposed to being chronically tired? Um, yes, absolutely. So I know that my, uh, I don't know if I should call it weak spot, but you know, there are some people who when they get tired, they get a headache, right? There's some people who if they're getting sick, they can feel it in their throat immediately. I can feel anything immediately in my energy levels. I think that's um, an indicator for me that something is wrong. So when I'm feeling tired for no apparent reason, um, I can start thinking, okay, what's going on? Not only physically, but also mentally, emotionally, right? Spiritually, just whatever is going on in my life. So I know that chronic fatigue is something that will always sneak in, come back in some way. Um, but I've learned, I've become super good at focusing on what's truly important to me. Not wasting time on many movies and series and things that don't serve my life. Because I used to have such a small energy bucket, I had to become good at doing everything I want to do in my life, but with very limited energy. And basically, that's what I'm doing as a coach, right? I help people with the time they have, the energy they have, not overdo it, listen to their body, um, use their energy and the time they have just in a different way. Not, you don't need extra time to take care of yourself. You just need to become more smart with what you already have, which is, you know, for the people who have seen my ROI energy cycle. First, you need to remove the clutter. So you need to kind of simplify your life, get rid of what's not serving you, what doesn't matter to you. Then the O stands for optimize what you already have, which is that, like I said, the time and energy you already have. And then the I is increase your energy because when you declutter and then when you become smarter with your time and energy, you automatically feel more energy to then start working on your diet and other healthy habits and just do what you want to do in life. So another question someone had was, how much did diet then really help you? And what else did you do? So diet was one of the last things I worked on. 
I wanted to say was most the most impactful thing, but I don't know. I think mindfulness meditation and positive psychology were the first things I went to because basically I went to traditional medicine and I'm just going to grab another question. How much did traditional medicine help you? Okay, so I'm going to tie that in. Traditional medicine helped me in the very beginning to outrule other diseases, right? To just take a scan of my bowels. Nothing's wrong with my, with my bile, bowels, sorry. Take a scan of, you know, or do these tests with my heart because I had these heart palpations and just I was so weak and nothing was wrong with my heart. They checked my muscles. I had random muscle aches every day, but nothing was wrong with my muscles. So good news is that those are always the first tests that you need to do. It's basic, you know, you need to know what's happening with your organs and your body, if there's anything, you know, significant happening there. But what was the hard part about that is that I got disappointed every time because everyone kept asking me, Maya, what do you have? Well, what's, what's wrong with you? And I did not have the answers. I couldn't answer. I couldn't say I have this or that or that. No, I wish. How many years have I wished for a name that I could just give people a name of a disease? So in that sense, when, when let's say, when traditional medicine gave me the diagnosis of first spasmophilia and then fibromyalgia because spasmophilia is supposed to last for only six months and it lasted longer after a year and then they said, okay, then it's fibromyalgia. <laughs> and I remember they would push these points in my body and ask like, does it hurt? And I said, no, because basically with a test for fibromyalgia, they push, they push 18 points in your body and you have to say if it hurts or not. And then there's a certain score if you're over 12 or 14. I don't remember, but a certain score, you have fibromyalgia. But when they pushed those points in my body, they were like, does it hurt? No. Does it hurt? No. But I do still feel that very first point you touched. I mean, it was like a lingering feeling. And then the doctor said, well, that you should say that it hurts. And I'm like, but this is not pain. <laughs> I had been in so much pain for years. When you have fibromyalgia, your pain limit just goes through the roof. It, it's, it's crazy how you adapt to the pain. So basically, I would feel, for me, it was mostly in my legs. And I would feel as if there were knives, like cutting in my hips, basically. That's why I couldn't really walk a lot. So sometimes I was in bed, I couldn't sleep from the pain. So that was pain. That was real pain. But those points that they touched on my body, that was not pain to me. Then they were like, okay, so you have fibromyalgia. And so in the beginning, traditional medicine helped me to rule out those things, to take the vitamins I need to take, magnesium, etc. cetera. Um, but then there was a point where they just said, you know, this is a chronic disease. You need to learn how to live with it. You have a small energy bucket. Some have bigger buckets. You have a small bucket and you need to learn how to live with that and bye. And I, they sent me to a psycho, um, not a psychotherapist, to a physiotherapist to learn how to move my body, relax my muscles because they were always tense, right? Relax my muscles. And as some people said, it's in your head. It's because of trauma. And I said, no, I'm the most optimistic person. I don't think it's trauma. There must be something more. 
So I did not believe it came simply from a chronic like, oops, I'm born with this. And then it can explode or it can become active at any age. And then I need to live with it for my whole life. I was like, no, I'm not accepting this diagnose. I'm not at all answering the diet question right now. I'm aware of that, but I'm, I'm diving into the traditional, traditional medicine part. So basically, then I left the hospital. I had a name. I could tell people, hey, I have fibromyalgia. I entered the support groups on Facebook and I got really depressed. <laughs> not really depressed, but they really brought me down. Because it was all complaining about their life and very a lot of negativity. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I know there's something more in my body. So I started reading everything I could read. Mindfulness, positive psychology. And I know someone, someone asked me, how much did mindset play a role in your health journey? Mindset was everything in the beginning because it was the only thing I could rely on, right? It was the only thing I could hold on to. Because I didn't know what to do with my body. I didn't know how I could improve. I didn't have a health coach or the knowledge. Or I couldn't find it. The only thing I could find was mindset stuff. Read about it. Creative problem solving. Adapting to my limits. Becoming a very good planner. I had to plan really well because I had to plan my empty moments to rest. I had to plan my energy levels, right? Have enough energy to start going to school part-time at least. Um, so mindset was everything. And the next question is, are you feeling better now? So let's see, in which order am I going to? Hmm. First, someone asked, how did this influence your teenage life? So let's just stay in the teenage years for now. I felt more connected to the other elderly people who were also walking with a cane than to other teenagers. So it was really hard to walk with a cane, not being able to even go for a drink from my 15 to 19. So I never had a true teenage life. I've never been 16 the way you should be at your 16, you know, and you should fall in love and start dating and just experiment with makeup and just, um, I don't know, become a woman. No, I was worrying about my body and my energy and being able to go to school. So that was really hard. I felt tired all the time. Of course, when you're tired, you don't feel attractive or good in your body or just, you know, normal. I didn't have energy to go buy clothes. So my mom would just buy clothes from shops and just, you know, in neutral colors so that they would be okay for me. So I didn't have a clothing style. I don't know if you hear this, but in Peru, there's often random fireworks going off. Anyway, um, and so I wasn't, no, I did not have a normal teenage life at all. So I guess I caught up once I arrived to Peru at the age of 21. That's when I started all of a sudden feel more energy. The food, so let's then dive into, into diet. The food was just from the market, very natural. Life is not planned here, so there's no pressure of social life of, oh, I have a dinner tonight. I cannot listen to my body and rest because I don't want to cancel. That does not exist here. So just the positivity, the sun as well, the mountain air, dry mountain air that does not have a lot of toxins flying around and whatever. Um, 
So diet, then I realized, hey, I'm not going to the supermarket here. I'm not buying anything that's processed. I'm, I'm just eating natural stuff, mostly. And I start wondering, what effect does that have in my body? Not having processed foods, right? I stopped getting my random weekly belly aches. They were like belly ache attacks. I stopped getting them. I did get parasites because my microbiome wasn't that strong, but I adapted. Eventually, I adapted. And I started studying online about natural health because I was wondering, okay, I feel way better in Peru. Why? I wanted to know why. And obviously, it's always a combination of things. But that's how I discovered functional medicine. And that was another question you asked. How did you discover functional medicine? That's how I discovered it. I was online looking for online webinars and someone would suddenly talk about fibromyalgia and say, fibromyalgia is just a name. It's literally when you translate it, I don't know what the translation is, but when you translate it, it literally means aches in your muscles or whatever. So it's just a name for a group of symptoms. It does not say anything about where it comes from, what it's causing, it's causing, I mean, it can be different for everyone, and what the solution is. You know, it's just a name for a group of symptoms. And that's how I've always, I always felt like there was more, like they didn't dig deep enough. I always felt like I just got like a trash can diagnose, I said, because, you know, I saw so many people in different situations who got the same diagnose. One had the pain in, oh, sorry, one had the pain in their face. The other one had the pain in their back. I had pain in my legs. And some people got a year long of antibiotics. Some people got cortisone injections. Some people got antidepressants, many of them antidepressants, because they were like, oh, no, it's in your head. So I felt like there wasn't a real solution and they didn't really look for the real cause. So then with functional medicine, and you'll read that in my blog post, I discovered what was actually wrong with me. My liver was full of toxins and I didn't have the right enzyme to detoxify. So my body, of course, my body exploded because if a liver doesn't work well, your hormone balance is off, your vitamins don't get stored well, your immune system isn't working properly. Basically everything because your liver is so crucial in getting those things out and you keep breathing in gasoline and whatever toxins that are flying around in the air you keep touching plastic and rubber and yes my liver was full of rubber gasoline and plastic because of everything you breathe in and touch now i'm a highly sensitive person so of course i soak up everything i absorb everything around me imagine a liver that's then not working well of course i got sick of course my whole body broke down and of course, all of my different symptoms were connected. So then diet. Diet helped me because I had leaky gut. I had SIBO, which is small intestine bacterial overgrowth. And I had food sensitivities. Now, those things, they are not the cause. They are consequences of the causes that then complicate the whole cascade of symptoms, right? 
that's important to know. So if you discover that you have food sensitivity, SIBO, leaky gut, um, irritable bowel syndrome, treat your gut first. It is reversible. It is treatable. The gut lining heals in three days. So elimination diets and all these kinds of more restrictive diets like FODMAP that are only for a short period of time, that's important. They can really help you repair your gut, give your immune system a rest because your immune system is constantly scanning what's coming in the bowels. I have another video on that, by the way, on food sensitivities. I'll, I'll add it to the show notes. So I cut out gluten for a year. I cut out sugar completely, which made the biggest difference for me, I think, because my immune system got so much better because we know now that sugar suppresses the immune system. So I went all natural with food. And what else did I do? Um, I could do another podcast on, um, on the whole diet story as well. But what else did I do? Basically, you know, the psychology, mindset, diet, a daily rhythm, you know, sleeping at a fixed hour, waking up at a fixed hour, doing more of what I love, like moving more in a way that I love, like dancing. Um, not putting pressure on myself. So it's all the daily routine stuff that helped me a lot. And what else? The supplements, of course, the supplements to detoxify my liver. Um, and just so many things. I did, honestly, if I would name everything I tried or did for my health just to experiment, <laughs> we would be talking until tomorrow on this podcast. So. That is a problem with people who are trying to find their own solution, like me, because you end up doing all these trick diets and things that, <laughs> that you don't know actually will work for you. So that's why you need a functional medicine health coach. And that's the answer to one of your next questions. How are you using medicine in your coaching now? So once I became a functional medicine certified health coach, basically, I can help people to not do everything at once not get lost in the jungle of information on the internet. Of like, oh, maybe I should do FODMAP now. Maybe I should go keto. Maybe I should, um, whatever, take melatonin. I don't know. All these health things that they think they should be doing, I help them to take it step by step. Because often, like I mentioned in the ROI cycle, the first thing they should do is remove the clutter in their life. So first, I coach them around perfectionism, overthinking, clutter in their schedule, clutter in their life, in their house, to create space to then create those healthy habits or implement them. Because people often want to start with exercising or changing their diet, but they don't keep up because life gets in the way, life's too busy, um, they don't have the energy, and of course, they can't. So that's why there's a certain sequence to coaching as well, to see what you work on first and what's next. And that's nice to be someone's coach, to have a follow-up of months, sometimes years, that I, I know their journey. I know what they've tried before. I can guide them to the next step. And how I use medicine is when I feel, so obviously first mindset, how they cope with their body's limits. Are they being kind to themselves? And then next, okay, if this person has digestive issues, a hormonal imbalance, sleep issues, you know, 
if they have if i think they have something in their liver something in their body that i feel they need more tests for i will send them to either their gp their normal doctor and see what they can do as as in regards to testing or send them to a functional medicine practitioner who can then suggest them okay we need these and these and these tests we need to know your microbiome your whatever and then we can still work with their normal doctor to get the tests done or we can order it from somewhere and do it once the results are in i have more information the functional medicine practitioner helps me to analyze them to tell me hey maya you know what what i see in these tests and what i've been analyzing for this person is that they need to change this they need to do that they need to take this supplement and they need to work on that and that's when i get to work with my clients so we start working on all those action steps because the implementation part is not easy often you go to a doctor and he says oh but you know you need to lower your carbs and then you go home and you're like okay how do i do this <laughs> Or, hey, yeah, you need to stop smoking and you need to sleep earlier and whatever. And you try, you try, but it's not easy. This is why, you know, as a coach, I can bring back the pieces of the puzzle. I can give you the whole puzzle of your health. We can make a whole timeline from birth to now and I can give you the connections of which, which events in your life caused which symptoms, when did they start and, and what's the whole picture. To get better, basically, all that information, you can find it on the internet. It's all out there. Every information about everything is out there. But it's the implementation part, right? It's doing it. And I used to say, it's funny. Oh, oh sorry. I'm moving my microphone here. I used to say, if I had a health coach when I was 15, it wouldn't have taken me 10 years to get better. <laughs> Because that health coach would have helped me to see what's my next step. What should I explore more? Where should I go now? So that's a difficult one for me because I'm frustrated that I did not find functional medicine or health coaches back then. I'm also grateful for my own journey because I studied everything there was to study, which makes me a good functional medicine coach, right? <laughs> And as someone is asking me, what are your next goals? What are you dreaming of as a functional medicine coach? And I want to get into that now. Did I cover everything? Almost. Well, the, the questions I picked out anyway, I might do several episodes on this. If, if you're interested in that, just let me know. Let me know in the comments. Let me know what part you'd like to hear more of. I know I'm giving some sort of a summary. That's because, blame it on me, I haven't been talking enough about my own stuff, about my own journey. And I've had many people ask me to do so because they learn from it, they get inspired from it, um, they recognize parts in it. So please let me know in the comments what part you like the most. I could do another episode on that in a couple of weeks, next month, whenever you want. But what are my next goals as a coach? Of course, I want to grow the Healthy High Achievers community. And now here's a question someone asked me, hey, Maya, why are you not focusing solely on clients with fibromyalgia and chronic fatigue? Why are you in healthy high achievers, which is more burnout and stuff, right? Well, even people 
people with chronic disease and they start getting better. When did I need the most help? I needed the most help when I started getting better because I had more energy, but not a lot. People couldn't see my disease, so they expected a lot from me. I looked normal. I looked healthy. I wanted to do a million things. I wanted to take online courses and listen to podcasts and have a million goals and you know start my own projects and whatever. But I needed to listen to my body. And that's what Healthy High Achievers is about. It's about all those people, whether they have a chronic disease or not. It's about those people who are at that point where I was feeling frustrated because my body they don't want to follow everything that my head wanted to be doing. Right? So my, my body wanted to needed to rest. I was doing too much. I was not listening to my body. I was stubborn and I wanted to do a million things. That's what Healthy High Achievers is for. So obviously, I want to grow the Healthy High Achievers platform. Um, and you can join it anytime you want. It's for free. It's healthyhighachievers.community. I just wanted to become a huge platform worldwide where people just get together, have meetups, talk about their healthy habits, and not even know that I'm the founder, right? So then it starts its own life. In the functional medicine realm, I'm living in Cusco, Peru now, and I see lots of spiritual stuff happening here, which is great. It's a high energy place. I discovered a lot about myself here. I My vibrations are higher, my frequency, my energy but it lacks, there's a spiritual part and there's the super traditional medicine part and it lacks functional medicine. It doesn't exist here, which is why I'm here talking to all these kinds of healers and trainers and doctors and people who could be interesting to form a team with and to have health retreats for people. Because I know so many tourists who have been here, visited Machu Picchu and still feel like they wanna come back just because they need to work on something for themselves, work on their health, work on their burnout or their mindset, and they want to come here. So my big goal is here to start organizing health retreats. I've done them now before individually for people who contact me and say they want to come here. So if you want to come to Peru, let me know. I can just make a personalized package for you. I used to work in tourism here, so I have all the contacts too. But my big goal is to have that big yellow building because I love yellow, just a big yellow building that's like a functional medicine health center here. That's my big goal. So let's see if I covered most of what I picked from your questions. A last one I want to dive into. Okay, yeah, the very last one. Do you still feel different now? I do. I do. I, I've gotten so used to my health journey, adapting to my body, that it's gotten difficult to really see. I only realize I'm different when I spend a lot of time around other people. For example, when I go on vacation with friends, then I realize that I do have different limits. I do need more time alone or more time resting, which is partly my physical health, and partly my highly sensitive nature, right? And I also feel that I need to take way more care of my nutrition. I need to be way more natural in everything I do. I make my own deodorant. 
I see what kind of I buy natural soaps because I don't want my skin to absorb too many toxins. I feel terrible in a very humid climate because in humid climates, there's a lot of toxins fly and bacteria flying around. That makes me feel terrible, brain fog, everything. So I love this dry mountain air. That's where I feel the best. I feel different when I go partying. I barely ever drink alcohol. When I do, it's just one glass because my liver, right? I need to take care of it. So I just go out with water and I enjoy the, mu- I enjoy the music and I'm dancing, but that's it. So in many ways, I cannot do the long hikes here, the five-day hikes that people are doing. Maybe one day I'll try it, but I just haven't dared to yet, I guess. So yes, I still feel, feel different now, but I found my own way and I wouldn't be I wouldn't be the person I am today if I hadn't gone through all this shit. That's just the truth. I don't know. It made me more resilient. That was one of your questions too. How would you describe your resiliency? Huge. Anything that happens to me. I mean, just two months ago, right now I have a broken foot. I'm just sitting here doing this with my broken foot. I had a broken heart. Then I had COVID and then I broke my foot for like, I've been inside my house for two months. And I look okay, don't I? (laughs) Because I've been through so much that I know how to make the best out of anything. I know how to find creative solutions. I know how to feed my mental health, despite external circumstances or things that are happening in my life. I know how to be good with myself. I know how to love myself. I know how to not be perfectionistic. And of course, I always have the tendency to fall into that trap of, I love excitement, right? I'm very social. So to fall into that trap of like a very active social life or the trap of perfectionism or the trap of high achievement and overdoing it and productivity. So I also constantly need to work on myself and pace myself, which helps me be a very good coach. So achievers, I hope you enjoyed this very spontaneous podcast nothing was I didn't know what I was going to say I just picked out a couple of questions and flowed with it if you liked it please let me know because this is very different from what I usually do I enjoyed it I enjoyed talking about my story I never did why because I never wanted to identify with fibromyalgia chronic fatigue syndrome because I was like no I don't belong in that category there's more in my body I will find a solution um which means that many, many, many people don't even know about my journey. <laughs> but also, always when I do talk about it, I do get these reactions of that it actually helped people. So I hope I'm helping a couple of you out there by sharing my story. Achievers, thank you so much for listening and see you next time. Dear Achievers, I hope you liked this episode. If you did, please subscribe and share with your friends, anyone who needs to hear this. You're super welcome to join us at healthyhighachievers.community as well. See you there.